Hello, and welcome to the Acting Notes Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things acting, from tips and tricks to business information. I'm your healthy host, Justin Powell. I finally tested negative for COVID, and I'm back in the world, baby. I am feeling still quite fatigued on a nearly daily basis, and from what I understand, that's going to last me for a while, so that's unfortunate. But otherwise, I'm back. And today, I want to talk to you about some things I've noticed as I am casting a project. Recently, I co-wrote a script, and we've decided to produce it and make it into a short film in the first quarter of this year. And so right now, we're in the casting process. We posted it on a pretty well-known casting website. We got submissions. We've sent out the deadline for self-tapes on this first round. And as I've been watching all the tapes that are coming in, there's a lot of insights I feel like I can share with you that might be helpful. The first is, you know, I think sometimes as actors, we feel so unfortunate when we miss out on a role, when we didn't book the job. And we instantly wonder, is it us? Is it that my acting is not good? I'm not a good actor. And what I'll say first is, there are so many submissions that come in. This is a small project that we're putting together. This is maybe like an eight-minute film at the most. We want it tighter than that. We want it probably under five. It pays $150 for two workdays. It's not the most incredible pay in the world, but it's something. And we got about 500 submissions within two days. So there's 500 people competing for one part. And so inevitably, you start to just look at these headshots that are coming in, and you determine if the person even has the look of the character you're going for. So sometimes it can be something as simple as that. I don't think we should always believe it's our acting that is the reason we didn't get the job. Can that be the case? Of course it can. Of course, there's always ways that we can improve, that we can give a better take, better performance. But the numbers aren't necessarily in your favor. And so rather than allowing that to cripple you, because I understand how that can make you feel scared, right? If 500 people are submitting for just a small project, then what chance do I have? Why should I even bother? I think actually we should look at it as a way to set you free. Take the pressure off of yourself from trying to do it correctly. And that's something I'll get into a bit later, this idea of trying to do the scene correctly, because a lot of the tapes, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing people that are playing the idea of the work as opposed to putting themselves in that situation. And I think with all those numbers in mind, again, with how many people submit just for this short film, and if it's a bigger project, you're getting far more submissions, right? I remember once booking a role where they told me in the end that a thousand people had submitted originally. And I asked the director, I said, what was the final thing that pushed me over the top? Was it my callback? And he's like, no, it's that the other guy that was reading had blonde hair 
same as our lead actress, and you have brown hair. He's like, you guys both did great. We thought you could both play the part, but we liked the look of you a little bit better. And that's all it was. And sometimes it can come down to something as simple as that. So take the pressure off yourself to think that you have to do something correctly or perfectly. And I think with those odds, again, it can either leave you paralyzed with fear or it can unleash you into freedom to really try something, to really take a shot, to risk something in that tape. Because that's something I'm seeing a lot in these tapes too, is a lot of people playing it safe. Or again, playing the idea of the thing rather than actually putting themselves in there. Something else I've noticed, you know, I I think there's sometimes a debate on should you try to get your tape in as quickly as possible or should you wait and make sure that you have it as dialed in as possible? Is it okay if you wait till the last minute to send it in? And I'm not, we're not fully through this process yet, so I can't say if it's beneficial to wait till the last minute. But I am noticing that I'm certainly watching people's tapes as they come in. And this could be very different for people in a bigger project, right? If it's a feature film, they might take more time and really just wait till they all come in before they start watching. But for some of these indie projects, I imagine since people are on such a time crunch with so many other things to do, because we're not just focused on the audition process right now, obviously. We're focusing on getting the location secured, getting the camera equipment that we're going to use as a rental secured, uh, making sure we have the cinematography, the storyboard all dialed in, the shot list, the COVID information, everything we need on that end, as well as casting. We have all these things going on, so we only have so much time in the day on top of our own lives, right? And so it has been just an interesting observation for me that I have certainly been watching people's tapes as they come in. So the people that are getting them in early, they are getting at least the most pure look. And by that I mean, look, with with a lot of scenes, you're going to see very similar takes, right? But if you're the first person sending that in, there's going to be a little bit more leeway than the 500th person who sends in the take where they're also angry in the scene. And that's a vague example. But I can tell it's happening. I'm seeing some similar takes in different moments in the sides. And they stand out. They stand out as as very similar in a way that doesn't make me necessarily think I'm going to cast that person. Now, another thing I'm noticing is just how glaringly obvious it is who did not read the breakdown, who just submitted blindly. I don't think you should do that. Try to submit to roles that you actually fit or you kind of fit. And it's 
for this one, it's we're looking for 18 to play younger, to look like a high school student, essentially. And I know we've gotten at least a couple of submissions from people that are in their 40s. And there's nothing I can do for them. <laughs> we're not calling them in. And I can't say, you know, I, I'm not, I don't think I would remember them if I casted another project. Like, oh, this was the guy who sent in for the 18-year-old. I'm not going to bring him in. No, I don't I don't think that would be the case, but I it is obvious to me. And it does what I'm noticing as I'm sitting on this other side of the acting experience as a casting director of sorts is I'm noticing how tough those jobs must be. Because this is just for a short film and I'm seeing you know, I'm sure casting directors for bigger projects and things like that have this happen on a much higher scale. And there are possibilities on a lot of these casting websites to take notes on an actor who submitted. Take private notes where you can mark certain things. Now, I haven't done that. I have no reason to do that, but I would not put it past people. So just something to think about when you're submitting. Try to only submit to roles that you look like you can play. Obviously, we can stretch ourselves a bit, but... If it's 18 to play younger and you look like me, for example, who looks very clearly in his late 20s, maybe, but early 30s, then maybe don't submit. It's also obvious in the audition tapes who spent more time on the script and who did not. There are little things, little traps that I assume are in darn near every scene. And you know, a great example of this actually is from the acting workshop that I mentioned on this podcast a little while ago. At one point, the coach, Tony Mindel, Anthony Mindel, gave all of us sides that we got to look at for maybe five minutes and then we just had to come in and do the scene. And in one of the scenes, in the script, it says that the character grabs a cupcake and takes a bite out of it. And then the other character, in this case it was Tony who was reading off camera, said, spit it out, spit it out. And when we watched the tapes, we saw that almost every actor did not take a bite out of the cupcake. Did not grab the cupcake, didn't do anything about it. And that's just simply not reading it, right? So when you get the chance to read the sides, really read them through. Read them through multiple times. Do three reads on them at least. So you can try to figure out everything that you might need to do. Because it is obvious. And it's the type of thing that has stood out as I'm watching. It's not an automatic disqualification but it does tell me they don't really understand the story or even the story of that scene, that moment. Now, what has stood out has been the actors who have really gone for it, who made a choice and just committed to that choice 100%. 
I'm seeing a lot of half measures. And this is a, it's a tricky set of sides, particularly the second scene, because there's a lot of physicality to it. Essentially, this person's fighting, uh, hitting a punching bag. But there was one performer in particular who, when they went for it, they just committed so hard. They were doing these amazing sound effects with it. It was big and rambunctious, but also truthful. And that stood out. And I've seen multiple performers send in tapes that really stood out because of that. It's the people who are timid, who don't want to mess it up. That's kind of obvious to see. And it makes me nervous to want to bring them into the project. Because I feel like it'd be tougher to get that person there than to bring someone down a little bit. Because that's the thing. If you're going really big, but you're committing 100%, what I'm seeing as a director is, oh, I can bring that person down to where I want them in the work. It's tougher to bring someone up if they're not giving enough. It's tougher to get them to that next place. That freedom is tough to find. So allow yourself to be free in these audition tapes that you send in. How do you find freedom in the work? How do you ride on impulses as opposed to trying to control everything? You know, when I, again, back to that workshop, one of my notes that I got was you need to try to just have more fun with the work. When you approach dramas, approach it like it's a comedy. And one thing he told me is just try doing the scene at least once in a very bizarre way. So the other night I was doing an audition. My roommate was helping me. And I asked him, I said, can you give me just a super weird note? And I was playing a, uh, a killer in this. I was a killer that was being interviewed. And he said, yeah, just play it like you really, really have to pee. And it was ridiculous. It was very silly. And I don't think it was a bad tape. It wasn't the one I ended up sending in. But it did open me up. And there were elements in that odd read that I thought were interesting enough to try to bring to the other reads that we did. So I think that's some of it, right? We need to let go of this control of the scene or thinking we know how to do the scene. Our best work is when our unconscious is firing off, when we're following the river of impulses, so to speak. And so how do you activate that for yourself? How do you play in the work and have freedom in the work? That's something to think about. Something else I've noticed is the actor's tendency to want to show everything. To force, to do. I think it's tough for us sometimes to just be. To just breathe and let the moment affect us however it does. We always feel this need to be interesting. And it makes sense, right? We want to be interesting. Of course we do. But I think when we push that, you know, there's a good example of this. At one moment in one of the scenes, the, the first scene that we sent out, 
there's a bit of an awkward moment where our character says something kind of awkward and puts their foot in their mouth, so to speak, and then just has to walk away. And in that scene as well, they get asked a question. They get asked if they've ever boxed before, and they lie, and they say they have. There were a lot of tapes where the performers really showed me that that character was lying. You know? They were asked that, and they said something along the lines of, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, uh, of course I, I have. And I don't think we do that in life. In life, we're much better liars. We're much more fluid with that. And it was the performers who played that moment subtly who let me read into the performance. You know, a slight smile as they said that. Those were the ones that were more interesting. You know, Bob De Niro, Bob De Niro, I'm on a nickname basis with him, Robert De Niro, has an interview where he says, you just have to do nothing. You do nothing and the camera will pick it up. And in a lot of ways, that's true. Or at least that's something we should risk. Risk not doing anything. Just listening and responding. You don't have to show us everything. Some of it is just us picking up on the intuitive nature of your performance. Or even, you know, Ryan Gosling is someone who does a really great job of this, of kind of leaving himself neutral so that the audience can map their own experience onto the performer, onto him. And in doing so, it's almost like a shared, collaborative, emotional experience. There's also a an example of this from way back in the day. I can't remember the name of the test. But essentially, they wanted to... A filmmaker showed an audience an image of a man just staring blankly ahead. And then he cut to an image, a video of two children playing on a seesaw. And the audience said, oh, he seems like a sweet man. He's watching the kids play. That's very sweet. He showed another audience the same image of the man, no change. And then cut to an image of a woman beginning to change in a window. And the audience said, well, that guy's clearly creepy and terrible. Same exact expression from that actor. Exact same take, but two completely different responses based on the juxtaposition of what came next. And all that to say, we can trust our neutrality in many places. We can trust just being because so much of it is just how the story is constructed around ourselves. We're just a cog in the machine of the story, right? As actors, sometimes it can feel like we're such an essential part. And we are in so many ways. Don't get me wrong about that. But there are also so many other moving parts that make up this media, this art form. And so it's okay to trust yourself in the work. To trust that you don't have to be doing something every second you're on screen. 
Now, a couple other things. Now, these are just technical more than anything else. First off, I'm sure a lot of you know this. And if you don't, it's okay. You know, we are, we're growing up in a different time right now because I'm seeing a lot of tapes come in that are shot vertically, like it's a TikTok or an Instagram reel. And again, I get that. A lot of people, that's been their experience for the most part. Um, it should always be horizontal. You know, maybe something will change in the future. I, I dearly hope not. But it should always be horizontal. Just like movies, right? The other thing I'm noticing is just keeping a clear background. You know, a blank wall, a backdrop that stretches across the entire frame. I've seen a lot of tapes come in that have clutter behind them. And, you know, I in some cases I get it. I try not to hold that stuff against them. I try to just focus on the performance. Because in some cases it's just they live in a small place and they don't really have a spot where they can set it up, right? But if you can, do invest in a good backdrop. You know, I think you can get those foldable blue or green ones for like $40 on Amazon. And there's other ways to go about it. If you have a blank white wall, you could do that. You could paint it blue if you wanted. But there are cheaper ways to make sure you have a nice backdrop. And then the lighting too. You know, make sure you get a good light. The cheap option right now seems to be that ring light. I'm not crazy about it personally because I don't like that it creates those little circles in your eyes. Um, but there are cheap options online as well that you can find. Um, so just try to make sure you get that set up well. Because, it's again, I, I know I'm trying to really focus on just the performance. And if there's technical things that look awry, I'm trying not to hold that against anybody. But I do think that subconsciously that has an effect. It does. It stands out. Another thing is the eye lines. When you're doing a self-tape, let's say you're using your phone, because I think a lot of people do it that way, which is fine. You know, phone cameras are really great now. Your eye line should be just a little bit to the right or left of the camera, depending on which side is filming. This is tough to explain, I'm realizing, just on a podcast. I'd probably need a visual. But... If you put your phone on the tripod in front of you and the camera is on the left side of the phone as you put it up, then your eye line will be slightly to the left of that camera. If you flip it and the camera's on the right side when you put it in the tripod, then it will be slightly to the right. Because this brings your eyes as close to the lens as possible without directly looking into it, without spiking the lens or spiking the camera. And that's what we want to see, right? The eyes are the windows to the soul. The eyes are often huge in the storytelling aspect of it. That's what we want to see. And there were some tapes where people were just looking too far off. And it was tough to be with them on the journey. Because I couldn't connect with them as fully. So just a small thing like that. And the last technical thing I'll bring up is just how you label your files. You know, we've gotten... Now, we did not put any specific labeling instructions. We didn't say, 
label it this, this, and this. We didn't do anything like that. So we've gotten a myriad of different templates from people. We've gotten some people that just put the slate and the two scenes together. We've gotten some that sent them separately. And then we've gotten some that have these odd files that I can tell came directly from their video editing system. Stuff like, you know, trim.c4x8, yada, yada, yada. And that just doesn't, it just doesn't look good. That's really what it is. Again, I still watch the tapes. I try not to concern myself with that. But it stands out. It's just something I'm noticing every time I see it. So if they don't give you instructions on how to label it, use your best judgment, but definitely give it some kind of title. I know I've sent in takes where they gave me no instructions on how to label, and so I'll just say Justin Powell and then the character's name. That's it. And I think that's a pretty basic thing. Or if you have multiple scenes, uh, scene one, Justin Powell. Scene two, Justin Powell. But don't use my name, because that would be weird. (laughs) And that's what I've noticed thus far as I've cast this film. It's been very interesting and very enjoyable to watch everyone's tapes. Because even when people aren't going for it, I am seeing like everyone has these great moments. There's so many people that are castable from their work. And that's the tough thing being on this side is there are so many people that could be cast in this role. It's then getting down to like the minor things that set them apart. You know? And I think that's something that we should consider when we're acting too. Is that so many of those decisions at the end of the day are not like fully about, oh, this person just can't act. And I think that's how we sometimes take it. No, it's minor things. And so again, allow that to free yourself up in the work. To take a risk, to commit. I think that's the best way to stand out. Thank you for listening to the Acting Notes podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and review that would help other people find the podcast, which would be amazing and something I would greatly appreciate. If you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can always reach out to me on the Acting Notes Instagram or TikTok page at The Acting Notes. And you can even reach out to me personally if you'd like. That's something some people have done. And, you know, it always is such a pleasure to hear back from people, to hear that people are enjoying the podcast or any questions or comments or concerns they have. It's just a very nice feeling. And I really appreciate that. So thank you for listening. Have a good day. Peace. Peace.